Welcome to The Insider, another edition of our show, the official podcast for the city of Murfreesboro. I'm Mike Browning. Our topic today is the Siegel Soccer Park and the new large indoor practice facility that Murfreesboro has been involved in along with TSSA. And our guests are the director of Murfreesboro Parks and Recreation, Nate Williams. Good to see you, Nate. Good to see you, Mike. And Hans Hobson. He is the chief operating officer for the Tennessee Soccer State Soccer Association. Good, Good to have you. you. Thanks, Mike. And thanks for selecting Murfreesboro some several years ago uh, because you had other options. You could have gone elsewhere, but you selected Murfreesboro. We did. We, uh, we had uh, narrowed down to four different locations, and um, my board of directors got together, and they interviewed each one of them. And Nate came in and uh, wowed us. And I think the biggest reasons that we came here is just the community. Um, it's it's a, a rich community, a lot of great people here. Uh, Nate and the Parks Department are super supportive. We've held our state soccer tournament here for probably maybe five, six years uh, in the past. And so uh, when we come to the community, we always feel supported uh, by the Parks Department and uh, the people here. So just, just a great community, and our, our board felt like, look, this is the place to do it, um, plus the fact that uh, their fields were going to be renovated, turf fields were coming into play, an indoor facility that – is state-of-the-art that I guess we'll talk about here in a little bit, but super excited about all the changes in the area. Well, we're so glad you did come, and uh, just to be really frank, um, you know, the, the facility, the Siegel Soccer Park opened some many years ago. I remember I was there just for the, uh, I was working for Channel 2 at the time, and uh, they had, you know, the, the opening, and it was a great thing. But over the years, Nate, there was some issue with, you know, when, when the weather was bad, uh, and it rained, and you had drainage issues. So you know, you've had to look at this thing from a standpoint of trying to put in artificial fields and then an indoor facility because weather and that kind of thing impacts your competition and your play and your ability to uh, to meet that capacity. Yeah, you know, the Richard Siegel Soccer Complex has been really a premier soccer complex and um, the usage is something that we don't take lightly. And what we decided to do was increase the capacity and working with the Tennessee State Soccer Association to be able to bring in these large events we knew we needed more capacity. So when it rains, whenever any type of weather event happens, you know, those, those fields would traditionally be shut down. So what we did is we transitioned eight of the fields to artificial synthetic turf. Uh, we lit six more fields. We added a restroom facility. And like you said, our 110,000 square foot indoor facility that just really makes it where you can train in this facility 365 days a year. Um, your facilities, of course, are right there on 231 and Cherry Lane. It's been there for a while, but now you've got that great new soccer uh, facility. Um, describe some of the amenities that, that are available to soccer now. So what we have is this facility, like you said, and we've got the increased uh, capacity for people to be able to use. You know, we can go from uh, sun up to sundown and then past that just with uh, the additional lighting and stuff that we have. But if I could speak specifically to the indoor facility, what we have is a facility that uh, will be able to stay, you know, in the summertime about 20 degrees cooler than what it is outside, and in the wintertime typically about 20 degrees warmer than what it is because it protects you from the elements. And we've got a system where we've got six uh, industrial fans. When I say industrial fans, the blades are, you know, 10 feet, up, you know, each. So we've got six of those, then an exhaust system at the top that pulls out the, you know, the hot air or the cool air as needed. What was the decision-making behind that, be behind whether you needed an HVAC system 
like you would traditionally see and or, or a fan system like that to pull the air in and out? A, a building this large, uh, you don't, you know, 110,000 square foot, the peak of the building is about 75 feet. So this is the most cost efficient way to build a building just like this. And what our decision making process was like early on is that we, we reached an agreement with the Tennessee State Soccer Association and Hans. And then he and I began talking in earnest about what the fields should look like, the type of fields. We looked at, you know, dozens and dozens of different types of turf grass and met with people. But we actually went and visited a facility in Virginia uh, that we went and we saw it. And we're like, man, this is huge. And this is perfect. This is exactly what we're looking for. And it turns out ours is twice as big as that, that one. So uh, it's really a unique facility. There's nothing around anything like that. So we're excited to add that really to our park offering, you know, the amenities that we offer. And, you know, it's not just soccer. We'll be able to host all kinds of events. We'll be able to do different sports as needed. But like I said, our primary focus is in this whole project has been to make Murfreesboro a destination for soccer development. And just in the couple years, and we're, we haven't even opened the facility all the way yet, but we're already seeing that come to fruition. So we're really excited about to see what comes from having the full, full facility open and just fully operational. Hans, what's the difference between playing on artificial turf like they have there and the, and the specific type versus grass? That's a great question. Um, the artificial turf typically is a little bit bouncier. I mean, it, it's got this, this infield of rubber pellets that does make the ball bounce a little bit. Um, some facilities that I've been to with my own kids don't take quite as good care. Uh, if you are out there during the week, you will see Parks Department out there with this giant brush. And they're actually brushing the pellets so that they can keep it even. Because if they don't do that, the, the, the wear and tear of people running on it can cause it to be uneven. You roll a ball across and it'll just bounce left and right. So it's not as maybe true as a grass field could be. Uh, but again, the Parks Department does a fabulous job. So a little bit bouncier. Um, it's, there are some people that don't don't care for that bounce, but um, hey, look, around here, as much as it started to rain recently, as Nate alluded to earlier, we had to go with something different. We had to think outside the box. And if you, if you go anywhere, pretty much in Middle Tennessee, you'll see the growth of these turf fields. So it allows us to play around the clock. I mean, uh, whenever it rains, we've got turf in our backyard at home. My kids play on it, you know, and my wife and I are like, hey, it just rain. It doesn't matter. Go outside and play. <laughs> as I understand it, the turf on the inside of the new facility is the same as the turf on the outside. Is it that is. right? Yeah. And, and you know, uh, Nate mentioned the rubber pellets. So there is a system, I guess, maybe there's more than one company that does that, but they like use rubber from like rubber tires, I've heard. It's know. a unique product. It's not just crushed up rubber mm -hmm. tires. It's very specific and it's been tested, you know, over the years to make something to mimic natural grass as much as possible. So what you'll see is the, the fibers that are standing up and underneath that is a layer of rubber that really protects anybody and mimics the movement of real grass. But underneath that is sand too. So there's several different levels of protection, uh, but it really makes it where if you walk out there, if you closed your eyes, you probably wouldn't be able to tell that it's a synthetic surface. It's a, a, a synthetic surface. It's come so far over the years to make it much more playable, and for a long time too. You know, we can get 10 to 12 years out of these fields, uh, and then you just replace the top layer on them. Hans, you've had a number of big tournaments and competition out there even before this facility was built. Um, maybe you should describe some of those and what they're, they're all about to someone who might be listening who doesn't really know soccer and 
how high of a level of the competition that you offer with these yeah. facilities. Yeah, so um, within uh, the programs that we offer, we're partnered with USYS, US Youth Soccer. And so uh, US Youth Soccer are 54 state associations across this great country, and we work as a governing body in each individual state. And so within Tennessee State Soccer, uh, we have state championships, and they go from uh, U13 all the way up to U19. Uh, and we hold that in uh, November. The first two weekends in November, we have the boys' state championship here at Richard Siegel Soccer Complex. And then the last two weekends in May is the girls. We have opposite high school seasons here in Tennessee, so that's why we have to separate them out. But whoever wins the state cup advances on to what we call regional tournament. And we're in the southeast region and kind of the SEC states, if you will, you know, North Carolina over to Oklahoma, down into Texas and over to Florida. And so those 12 or 13 states that we have right there, they will compete for a regional title. We just hosted the USYS regional tournament this past summer. We had about 260 teams present, um, staying in hotels, eating around here, checking out Murfreesboro, uh, and it was great. And uh, from there, whoever won that tournament went on to what we call our USYS National Tournament. Uh, and I believe that was in Florida this past year. So those are some events. Uh, we want to host the USYS Regional Tournament here again, uh, and we want to host a national tournament. There's another layer just below that. That's our top level. We call that Division One. And then just below that in Division Two, we have an event called the President's Cup. And so there's a regional President's Cup. We've hosted that. I think that was 2019 we hosted that here. And then there's a national President's Cup, and that's also been hosted here before in the past. So, so huge is events. Is there some competition that you will hold maybe at a, a, a little bit lower level that you'll have here every year? And then other competition, like you said, you have to compete for, and it depends on whether you make it where the you'll have it here at this area. Yeah, I think there's smaller events that, we, that we're going to say, hey, look, let's, let's do a smaller event maybe this year because last year that USYS Regional with 260 teams, that maximized our volunteers too. So I think there's this ebb and flow of what kind of events we want to do and trying to be able to, to get that help in the community to be able to do that. So if there's anybody out there that wants to help, by the, by the way, we're always looking for that. But um, I think there's a balance to that many times, yeah. Looking forward into this spring and summer, so what do you know that's really on tap right now? Yeah, so we've got an ODP event in June, and then the summer's actually pretty pretty slow. There's a couple camps that are going on that are going to be big. Uh, we're trying to get an adult event here, um, but there are no regionals or nationals. I think we're trying to bid out in another year for one of the national or regional events. So that would be, what, 24? Is that we're, we're looking for something like that? But trying to maybe lay low a, a little bit right now. Also, you know, there's, there's a period with the grass fields where you want to try and give them a little bit of rest. So I think we're trying to, trying to work with the park department and maintenance out there to say, hey, look, guys, what, is, what do the fields need right now? Um, but I, I promise you, even when there's not a big event going on, uh, there's something going on out there. This weekend, we've got Keeper Wars. So this is a, a giant event uh, that goes around the nation, visits different states, and keepers will compete against keepers to throw or kick the ball into a goal. So it's two full-size goals, and it's, it's basically a short field. So it's still soccer, but it's a different type of event. So that goes back to you know, your, your question there. You know, we're really trying to think outside the box, what else can we do? in this community to bring soccer events that benefit the community, get people into facility, but may not be a giant tournament like we always see. Yeah. So uh, Nate, that dovetails into the other question I had about rent. Yeah. So you're, you're trying to rent the facility or facilities uh, as well. How is all that going to work? 
So it goes through our normal process. We have a staff member that oversees all of the rentals and the bookings and works with primarily Hans and, you know, the Tennessee State Soccer Association, then other clubs that we have that are affiliate teams, you know, programs that we have here at the park. Um, so it, it's something that stays busy. And Hans brought up a great point that, you know, we've been under construction for three years with COVID, with, you know, everything that happened. That facility has been under construction for three years. So, you know, something that we have to do is take that into account that all of our natural fields have been just stretched to the limit. So some of those have to be taken off the line for just a little bit to be able to regrow some grass and stuff like that. Fortunately, we have, you know, the eight synthetic turf fields. So uh, those can be rented. Uh, and like I said, we do, we keep it busy. There's something going on out there, you know, from, from daylight to dusk every single day, but there's still availability. And I think if people really are interested in what's going on and the availability, they can check out MurfreesboroParks.com that has all the information, all the contact information uh, to where they can go to see, see what's available. The economic impact was happening at Richard Siegel even before the indoor facility was, was built and about ready to be online. Um, talk about the economic impact, both of you, and what that impact, how that's going to change with the indoor facility. You know, I think it's pretty, you know, Hans was talking about the tournament that brought in 250 teams, is that yeah, what you said? You know, people in Murfreesboro have gotten accustomed, like Spring Fling, and you look at soccer and the state tournament and that brings in like 60 teams so we're talking about tournaments that are you know four times as big and that means that people are you know staying in our hotels eating at our restaurants shopping in our shops so it's huge you know we constantly revise these numbers and see what it is but it's a huge bump it's a uh, something that's noticeable whenever we have these tournaments and the the you know how frequently they come too I've heard a, a number out there of eight to 15 million. How does all that, like when someone hears that number, they might think, wow, that's a lot. But maybe they don't realize all the ways that, that soccer touches the community. Yeah, I mean, my understanding is uh, some of the larger national events are going to be that lower number, 8 to 10 in that range. And then when you bring in more teams like we just talked about, the 250, you're probably talking somewhere between 12 and 15 million. I think a lot of things go into that component. It's how many people are staying in hotels? Um, you know, are they are they are they using the hotels and are they here for the entire week? Because this is a week long event. Uh, are they using our, our eateries or in facilities to to, to dine in? Uh, are they visiting the grocery stores and stuff like that? So there's there's a factor that our CVB uses. They take the number of people and teams that are staying in the hotels and 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 estimate what that number is going to be. But uh, talking to our local CVB, that, that seems to be about the estimate, 8 to 15. And other states that I've talked to that have hosted it, it's been the, the same thing. Those numbers are pretty consistent. I think what we've learned through this, Mike, is that, you know, we need more hotels in Murfreesboro. Yes. And that's a sign of a vibrant community. Even more than we have. Yeah, yeah, that's a sign of a vibrant community is that when we have these events, I mean, I think the teams are staying all over Murfreesboro and outside of Murfreesboro. And, uh, and, and that's, a, that's a good sign. I think that's just another indication why the foresight on this, on Hans, the TSSA, and then our city council at the time, uh, understanding how this could really benefit the community. Uh, seeing that come to come to, to fruition has been just great and um, it has had just a lot of fruits already. Talk about the partnership between the city and TSSA. It's my understanding that because the city was willing to commit to turf fields was part of the attraction that you had. Well, and the original bid that we had also did have turf. Um, some of the other municipalities did not commit to the number of turf fields that Murfreesboro did. Um, having been here before, too, you know, Nate talked about it and said, hey, look, you know, we had problems with it raining a lot here. And we had brought our state cup here 
And through no fault of Murphy's, bro, I mean, they had to protect the fields. You don't want to go out there and ruin a municipality's fields. I mean, we would be looked at and frowned upon. So we would have to cancel. We were booking three weekends in a row for State Cup. And for people to plan that out was really hard for families. So when they brought to the table, hey, look, would you consider eight fields? You're like, yes. And the beauty of this is that we've run into it already. There have been several weekends where we had planned out three weekends in a row, and it's like, hey, we're not going to have to do that. Why? We can back up, change the plan, and the eight turf fields have allowed us the ability to play no matter what. So, you know, as long as there's no lightning, as long as people can get to the facility, we can play on the turf fields, we can get the games in, and so we don't have to book in that third weekend. We've been able to get State Cup done in two weekends. And State Cup is kind of a quarter semi in a finals, so single elimination. But as long as we can get in a Saturday, Sunday that first weekend, come back the next weekend, we're able to get it done. So it was, it was tremendous for us. Nate, based on the experience that Parks and Rec has with this now, and some of the more recent developments that are occurring, do you feel like you're, you're getting a pretty good system going? Yeah, I think it's been something we've had to learn. I mean, it's something our two teams are working together to constantly refine. We're going into, you know, our real second, I guess, season or second year of booking, and I think we've learned a lot on how we can try to accommodate all needs. And, you know, what's crazy is we have all this increased capacity and there's still demand, still demand. So uh, we're constantly doing that, but we've got great people working on both sides, working together to make it happen, and uh, we're excited about what it looks like moving forward. One of the things, I guess, that plays into that is your offices are located nearby. We are. We're about uh, two miles down the road off Castlewood Drive behind the, the Kroger. Um, that's been great, too. So there's been, there's been several programs that we're doing during the day. There's a, a pre-college developmental academy that we were able to bring to the city. And so we've got, I think it's 32 boys that are staying in local apartments. And one of the guys that I have on staff, Brian Johnson, actually goes over to the facility every day and trains these kids. So they're, they're kids that have actually graduated from college and are sitting here trying to figure out, hey, do I still have a chance to possibly play? So they're training every day. That's one example of a program that we have. And with the office being so close, we're able to just drive in, do what we need to do, and then get back to the office and get our work done. So we're, we're really happy to be here. I was, I was telling a story earlier about moving from, from Nashville here, and I found this button on my car, the cruise, and it's, it's incredible. So I love the community. It's been, it's been tremendous. And um, just the booming, businesses right along that area where we're located too um, it's been so nice how many full and part-time employees do you have and how many actually moved from somewhere else to to live here so we've we've got uh, eight full-time employees um, right as we were transitioning here two people quit and I was able to hire from Murfreesboro so I actually have two people, three, three people on staff from Murfreesboro. We just hired another one. So we have four Murfreesboro and one person that is moving um, into Murfreesboro in April uh, from Nashville. So she was actually up there and she's moving here. So uh, it, it looks like most of my staff is moving. I, I'm the only one that needs to maybe move. He's the lone holdup. We'll get him here before too long. <laughs> and, and how, I would assume the volunteers, that's a big part of what you do. Huge, huge. Um, there are three local clubs here. Uh, King's Hammer Soccer Club, used to be Murfreesboro Burnham. Soccer Club. Um, Tennessee Soccer Club, uh, Murfreesboro, and then uh, a, a smaller group called Beeman. And um, that King's Hammer group has been tremendous over the years with our big events and trying to get volunteers. But uh, we lean on all those clubs quite a, quite a bit to say, hey, look, you know, we've got a regional tournament coming to town. Is there any way that you guys can send over some volunteers? So it's 
it's, it's a huge deal, but they also volunteer for their own tournament. So again, going back to that timing and cadence of things, we really got to look at that and make sure that we're, we're, we're doing that right and proper. Uh, but then there's also right down the street, MTSU, and there are students over there that need volunteer hours that we are uh, utilizing. I know next month I actually go over there for a career fair uh, to meet some of the students and figure out, are there some things, some jobs uh, that we can do with their undergraduate program and their graduate program? What kind of thing, let's say someone decided they wanted to volunteer and they're listening to this or watching on YouTube, what kind of things do you need help with? Yeah, so we have a, a position called field marshals. They actually sit out there and every now and then you get these, uh, these fans that act crazy. I don't know why, uh, but uh, that person actually will jump on the radio and say, hey, look, we, we may need police over here or we just need somebody from the state office to come over and help de-escalate and calm down whatever the situation might be. Um, there are people that are going to check teams in. Uh, sometimes it has to do with parking. Whatever, whatever we need around the facility, it's just somebody extra there to help us out with it. It takes a lot of people when you have that many people all there needing coordinating. We had probably about 200 volunteers this past summer with the regional mm -hmm. tournament. Nate, we haven't talked about the, the practice facility, the Jordan Farm, yeah. uh, another practice facility, I guess should, I should say. Yeah. And that's received enhancements over the last couple of years. It has. Yeah, and we just lit that as part of this project so we can move some of the things that happen over there. And we just built, we're in the process of completing a permanent restroom and pavilion facility out there. And that makes it just, you know, leaps and bounds better than what it's been. So uh, that's where we do a lot of our rec league stuff out of. King's Hammer provides our rec league for Murfreesboro. So, yeah, it's a critical part to have those six fields as part of the facility. Does, does that get utilized at all when you have a large tournament? In other words, it's at Richard Siegel. It, what's being done then? over at the practice facilities. People practice to gear up for the competition so or what? It's not necessarily, it's used for the, the tournament too. So oh, what's okay. great about that is even when we're in the rec league season, we can early morning or during the you know morning time, we can run our rec leagues at, in that portion of the facility, the Jordan Farm, and then once they move out, then we can schedule games at the Jordan Farm as part of the tournament. So we can just increase the capacity of the whole facility and it's used for the tournament just like it is on the main part of the facility. Well, that kind of raises a question. Let's say you're having a big competition like one of these large cups that you're talking about. Um, and I assume if you're using those fields as well, you're going to be using grass in some competition and AstroTurf or, or turf in the other. Uh, what's that like? For, for the players, competitors. It's okay. I mean, I think more and more uh, the tournaments that you go to, you're used to it. I mean, I've got three boys at home, and we travel all over the country playing soccer. And one day you'll be on turf, and one day you won't. And I can tell you my kids are – if it's raining, my kids are like, yes, we're on turf, thank goodness. <laughs> when, it's, when, it's, when it's not, you know, they, they would prefer to be on grass. So I think it just depends. But it also is a selling point because the regional tournament needed turf. If all of a sudden it starts to rain, we need a backup. So the, the fact that Richard Siegel had eight turf fields as backup was important. And they'll go into the, the, the wee hours. And I've been at tournaments before where it's poured down raining, and we actually had to flip a coin to see who was going to win. And they don't want to do that. So if there's the ability for us to play it, we will. And they'll go into the hours of the night. And that's you know something that, that anybody that's going to host a tournament there is looking at. And that's usually now a qualifier for some of the large events is that they want that. So when we go out and look and put in bids on these tournaments in partnership with Hans and his group, they want to make sure we have to check that box that we do have the artificial turf field so we don't run into the problems of rainouts. Now, it's obvious that the TSSA is all about soccer. We know that. But there's a mission to what you do that we haven't really talked about. And I wanted you to 
take the opportunity to share what, what this is all about because there's, you know, like in any sports, there's more to it than just the game itself. Yeah, no, thanks for asking that, Mike. I mean, I think um, that's near and dear to my heart. I mean, it's, it's not only a mission of what I do each and every day. Soccer, I met my wife through soccer. My, my kids play soccer. I tell people all the time, soccer's given me more than I'll ever be able to give it back. But our focus, our filter, our foundation, the mission for Tennessee State Soccer is to make a difference, to lead, to serve, and inspire. Um, and we, we, that's what gets me up and makes me run to work each and every day. Um, our vision, that flag on the hill direction we're going. I mentioned before, there's 54 state associations. We're, we're trying to be better than the rest. And we want to be the premier state association known for partnerships, promotions, and pioneering the next movement of soccer. And this partnership with you know, the city of Murfreesboro has been tremendous for us. Um, we want to promote that partnership and we want to promote our sponsors and, and soccer. And, you know, I think also it checks that box of pioneering. You know, we've, we, we're going into uncharted territory. Uh, Nate and I talk about this all the time. It's like, what else can we do? And so it, it, I've heard it said, you know, like you're trying to plan, not for today, but for, you know, what, what should soccer and this complex look like you know 10 years down the road we want to be the epicenter and murfreesboro yes it's the middle of the state for tennessee but when you start drawing a line around all these other states that are connected to us five six hours to drive here many of the people that were at a regional tournament they drove here they didn't have to fly so we're in a really unique place uh to be able to check off that that mission and that vision well, we thank you. Uh, the city is so glad that you chose Murfreesboro and that uh, this is a growing thing in our community. And I'm sure for the rest of the viewers, the people that are from here, they thank you as well. Thank you. Hans Hopson, who is the uh, CEO for the Tennessee State Soccer Association. Thanks for being with us. And Nate Williams, the uh, director of the Murfreesboro Parks and Recreation Department. Good to have you both. Thank you. Thank you. As we close, we just wanted to give you more information on the soccer project and making Murfreesboro the destination for soccer development. You can call the Parks and Rec's athletic office at 615-907-2251 for more information. The park's website is www.murfreesboroparks.com or you can find Parks and Recreation under the departments at the murfreesboro.tn.gov homepage. The podcast is originated from City Hall. Thanks for listening via Podbeam. Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Amazon Music Audible, as well as Google Podcast. You can also watch The Insider on YouTube, and our producer is Michael Nevels. For more information on the city of Murfreesboro, it's murfreesboro.tn.gov. You've been listening to The Insider, the official podcast for the city of Murfreesboro. I'm Mike Browning, and thanks a lot for joining us.